There is a space where you are all you need, where you are all you want. All there is is here. Welcome to the Source Connection, conversations about who we truly are, the possibilities of creation and the new earth we are birthing, with your host, Tara Long and Liz B. Hi, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of The Source Connection. Some people call me Liz B. I'm here with my co-host, who some people call Tara Long, and our very special guest, who some people call Mike Wiener. Let's take a moment to just settle in this now, grounding ourselves and connecting to the possibilities that are being presented right at this second with every breath. You can choose to close your outer eyes and just connect to your inner resources. As you deepen the breath, just start noticing what's going on in your bodies, physical, mental, emotional, energetic, etc. Bringing all of them together into your heart space so you can literally visualize all of them and start gathering them closer in this one spot, integrating them together, synchronizing all of you into the beating of your own heart space. Breathe deep into the belly space, the lower abdominal lung chamber, and then bring that air up to your chest and your clavicular area. And then as you exhale, just do the opposite movement. Just really infuse yourself with the physical quality of air and also the energetic quality of it, prana. Breathing in coherence and breathing out confusion. Breathing in peace and breathing out turmoil.
Breathing in, I am. Exhaling, loving awareness. And just keeping that mantra vibrating mentally for the next few rounds of breath. I am on the inhale, loving awareness on the exhale. Open in the space for the field of every possibility, knowing that we are safe. We are always taken care of. We are loved, supported, connected. Before we close, find a way to discover your heart beating either on through your pulse, your um, wrist, or your heart space, your chest. I like doing it on my neck. And just feel your heart beating. As we all tap into the field of unlimited possibilities and potential, let's take three deep inhales together and let's sigh out. Welcome back again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here with us today, Mike. Thank you. That was lovely. Yeah. Needed that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I find it more interesting to hear from our guests what brought you to this now moment here with us. If you can give us a quick recap of you know, your story and how you landed here. Wow. That is a, uh, you have three hours. <laughs> I do. Oh, by the way, guys, this episode is a weekend with Mike Wiener. So <laughs> yeah. hang tight. <laughs> yeah. Buckle in. Here we go. Yeah. I've got a wireless GoPro, so I'll just be walking and talking for that next, <laughs> the next 36 hours. Um, wow. You know, I've told this story a few times on other podcasts, but I don't know if I've really gone the whole distance here in terms of, you know, my quote unquote awakening and how I kind of left Babylon and, and mm -hmm. have started this journey. But essentially since I was, I was, uh, born, I've always felt like an outcast, a misfit, somebody who didn't fit into normal society, 
I, I was often uh, alone playing in my own imagination as a child. That's where I was most comfortable. And um, that led all the way up into high school and where I was, uh, you know, I guess traditionally a nerd, <laughs> considered a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, enjoyed playing like Advanced Dungeons and Dragons and uh, just really kind of involved in my own imagination and had no concept of the uh, the opposite sex. I mean, I did. I was attracted to to, to, to females, but I had no <laughs> idea how to even talk to a, a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was just very, felt very awkward in many respects because I just didn't feel like this world was uh, mm. right. Like, it just felt <laughs> so awkward and weird. And um, it wasn't really until I went to college where I, I had a, I must say it was due to mushrooms, taking um, mushrooms, that uh, psychedelics that mm. really woke me up to the wonders of my consciousness and i came from uh, a catholic background where i was an altar server for uh, i think 12 years mm. a long time i mean into high school i was an altar yeah. server and i had even um considered going into the priesthood at one time i was i went to an all-boys catholic high school and i uh was really seeking my I think my spirituality uh mm. and not finding it in the church uh, however, I'd had many uh, experiences in the dream realm with lucid dreaming, out-of-body experiences, uh, interactions with other um, other forces and entities. So mm -hmm. I knew there was a spiritual realm, and I, I've always intuitively known that there was something far beyond this avatar that we um, we populate here. And mm -hmm. I, it, it was actually yeah, when I took the psychedelic mushrooms. I was a freshman in high school and I was <laughs> propelled into, I mean, in college, excuse me. And I was propelled into a, another reality. And that really opened up the doors of perception, <laughs> like literally the doors, like, and I was listening to Jim Morrison on my, <laughs> on my CD, man. Like, um, cause I was in the yeah. late nineties. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. I had like a backpack full yeah. of CDs and it was like Pink Floyd, <laughs> the doors and actually chemical brothers. Yes. <laughs> um, but like the original Chemical Brothers. Uh, yes. And, and, um, and I had, uh, was on my skateboard with my headphones on and I was just skating around campus listening to that music and really taking it all in. And then it was just like I had this epiphany that I was infinite, that, um, mm. uh, that like the, everything around me, my perceptions were lim were limited to a certain mm -hmm. bandwidth and that I was so much more. And I became just ecstatic that I had mm -hmm. to go tell everybody. So I started running around <laughs> and like going to everybody I knew, telling them I loved them and that the world is so much more than we ever knew. And I just had like this download, this gnosis of, of really what, why, we're, why I'm here. And I remember just like running down the dorms into every dorm room I, of everybody I knew and just hugging them and like hanging out and, and obviously tripping balls. Um, but, <laughs> but it wasn't like, I, I felt like I, I had to shout, shout to the, you know, off the rooftops of the world about how glorious this creation is and how glorious this mm. world is and how lucky we are to be here. And mm. I just was filled with love. Like I've never felt before. I remember calling my sister. She was at home. She was a senior in high school. And I was like, I love you. I, I, I'm so sorry for, you know, to having that total moment, right. When you <laughs> 
on, on a substance like that, that I've never been on because I was a yeah. sober kid. I was like a, not a straight edge in the, in the sense of, yeah. of having that, um, personality of like a straight edge punker, but I was our crew. We were a straight edge in the sense we didn't do drugs or drink or anything yeah. in high school, really. So, yeah. uh, I was, I kind of had this interesting perspective on that, that you're kind of a loser if you're getting drunk and stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was uh, it was a quite an amazing moment, and that was a, a huge shift in my life. And then fast forward, you know, through college, uh, and now I was kind of a uh, I, I discovered DJing and and working in music, and 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 I, I switched my major after that. From I was going to be pre law and, and be an attorney, I decided to go into film, and wow. so I became a film major, and I uh, made it my mission to produce amazing life-changing uh, media, uh, mm. documentary films, and, and things like that. So I was very much attracted to, uh, I've always been into film and wanted to make films. So yeah, and then that kind of, I did end up going and working in Hollywood for 10 years. Uh, and, um, and it was never really the right fit. Uh, I, I think Hollywood itself wasn't the right place for me. Obviously, uh, it's yeah. a pretty dark place. And so I met uh, in college, uh, Brian Lando, who was a great friend of mine uh, through DJing. And then his dad is Dr. Bear Lando, of course, who is the founder of Alpha Vedic. And then the rest yeah. is kind of history as uh, we developed that mentorship kind of uh, mm. connection. And and he's a, been a great uh, aid in my uh, unfoldment into mm. who I am now. And so... Uh, I left Hollywood in 2016, moved my family up to the middle of the forest and focused <laughs> on Alpha Vedic, and here we are. Wow. wow. For our, thank you. For our listeners who haven't tapped into the wonders of the Alpha Vedic community, mm-hmm. I highly recommend. It's everywhere. You can find them on YouTube, Telegram, and just the discussions on Telegram, even though I can keep up with all of them, are just so rich. And that space is just so nourishing for me um, personally. And then on Discord, I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. Yeah. And we're working on um, launching our own private uh, platform that will be coming mm-hmm. out on alphavedic.com, which I'm really excited about because mm-hmm. that's going to allow the community to go next level in, in terms of having that that digital connection, which I think we'll talk about today, you know, in the digital mm-hmm. realm yes. and then transferring that into the real world in a way that's in the private and not, yes. and not even on telegram or anything. And that mm-hmm. will have, mm-hmm. that will have like all that functionality you get in traditional um, social media that yeah. has been, you know, co-opted to, yes. to yep. you know, steal our loose, if you will. Um, <laughs> this will be in a sacred space that will allow us to yeah. message and connect and create forums and groups and, take those ideas and expand upon them and then take them into the real world in profound ways through our collective mm. soul consciousness. So very excited mm. about mm. the launch of that, which is just around the corner. So Mike, is that, is that in uh, still web two or are you talking about web three? I know you're, you're in, involved oh, in portal. So like you're what opening is opening up? I yeah, know. I know. Up. But I'm so interested in Cordal and like that whole yeah. business of decentralized, you know, internet. So is this a stepping stone to that or? or yeah. Else? And, and Tara, that's a, I, I love that you went right there because this <laughs> is a, an important topic to get into. Obviously yeah. we're, what, a big reason why you're having me on today. What is web 3.0? Uh, and according to the branding and the marketing of the, of the corporate cryptosphere versus what Cordal's doing and where we mm-hmm. should be going. I'd love to illuminate your audience a little bit on that. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, it, um, 
in terms of this Alphavedic uh, site, first, it's going to be on the traditional World Wide Web. Um, however, <clears throat> it will be encapsulated in a PMA, which mm -hmm. is a private uh, organization. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys are super familiar with the kind of public versus private. Um, you know, I, you've had Tom Barnett on here. so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we're pretty familiar. Or we've I've been studying yeah. natural law for the past yeah. year and a half. Yeah. So, oh, awesome. Yeah. Um, ha have you guys by, the, by chance heard of the Law for Mankind course? Yes. Yeah? Okay. We've both yes. taken the first module, so. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Greg and John are doing yes. super, super important work. Yes. And uh, I've actually had the pleasure of working intimately with them, especially Greg. Um, I ended up, I actually did a crypto um, work kind of course for Law for Mankind with Greg. Yes. So if mm -hmm. you guys do go, uh, those listening, mm -hmm. uh, the Sovereign's Way uh, yes. is an amazing course that really helps uh, folks that are new to the space of understanding the private versus public, you know, living man, woman versus kind of the unliving, <laughs> undead, corporate um, straw man that we've been tricked into thinking is reality. They've done an amazing job of laying that all out and make, uh, and basically creating a practical pathway towards um implementing that in your life yeah. so that you yeah. can have remedy for uh, any uh, disharmony in your life, which is really yes. all this is, is trying to do is maintain the harmony so that you aren't trespassing against uh, others. And they are, if they are trespassing to you against you, how you can find remedy and, and get back to balance. Yeah. That's yeah. all the laws for uh, is, and uh, basically we've been, uh, it's been hijacked into commerce and do all of these other things so that, yeah. um, the, the, those who feel that they, I need to be on the top can maintain this sort of top-down control, even though nature isn't supposed to work that way. Yeah. So our reality has been hijacked by the legal system and, yeah. uh, the law for mankind is doing God's great service by bringing back the law. Yeah. So I bring that yeah. up because. I, I bring that up because um, they have a, a wonderful awareness too about the importance of still playing in uh, new technologies like cryptocurrencies and stuff as a means towards moving into the greater fulfillment of what the law can mean for actually living men and women transacting with each other mm -hmm. in honest, open, meaningful, yes. sacred ways. Uh, you know, and that's transacting. That's all we do in this in this realm is we transact through, um, whether that be through an energetic flow of money or through uh, uh, us giving each other a hug when we see each other. It's just a transaction of energy. Uh, and so, of course, we can go deeper into this. But my my goal and my role, I think, here on this plant, on you know, in this realm, is to help us get to the next level of of going to a deeper understanding of how we can create the technology to better deliver that energy mm -hmm. between each other so that we aren't uh, uh, kind of forced down these channels of, uh, I hate to say enslavement, but you know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's, that's yeah. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> we don't um, need a sugar. Uh, we don't, yeah. Yeah. How the current system is, the debt system, <laughs> yeah. the money system yeah. that is now, right? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, this can get really deep, but in terms of Alpha Vedic right now, we're starting, it's a kind of a crawl, walk, run methodology. So we're starting still in the old system somewhat, but we will yeah. be transitioning slowly into the new system, which Cordal will be the base yes. infrastructure for, hopefully. Nice. Yes. That, that was something that I was excited to talk about, Portal when 
um, most people are still kind of navigating, you know, I mean, we all are to an extent, but just the traditional ways of doing things. And when you talked about bringing the sacred into this online sphere in this space, that was so beautifully said. And if you can expand a quarter a little bit and just yeah. kind of tell people what that is and yeah, sure. what's, what's the vision. Sure. So to back up a little bit, where are we now? We are right now in a place where technology is been hijacked. Technology is simply the root of it is Greek technologia is simply yeah. the, um, uh, the structuring and the sort of, um, uh, playing out of, uh, of how we can, um, initiate our art or how we can deliver our art, our creative energy through, um, uh, a means of delivery or um, sort of mechanization of it. Or um, I mean, so we, we are technology. Um, One of the greatest technologies ever is, is the book, right? The book for thousands of years allowed for um, uh, thoughts and ideas of a single individual or group of individuals to be uh, crystallized and encapsulated in time so that others could uh, experience it. That is an amazing technology. Technology is awesome. Technology is the, um, is the representation of, of our creative um, means of why we are here, right? So we shouldn't fear technology. However, technology has been inverted by those who um, lack the ability to create because they've given up their divine connection because the, uh, of greed or lust or any of these mm. sort of, um, you know, uh, I guess the, the falling of their soul right. and they can come back. They can come back, but right now they think that they have the way, and that way is through certain digital technologies that uh, are unfortunately uh, going again, or only on one uh, wave path of the two-way cycle of the life death. Mm -hmm. They're just on the death cycle. And so what we want to do is bring back the technology of like the book or the technology of um, uh, of fire, for instance, because fire gives life and and takes away, right? Uh, and bring that into the digital realm, back to the digital realm. Because the digital realm, while it is just a simulacra of the greater consciousness of the analog, uh, it's just a binary system. I feel personally, and I know a lot of people in quote unquote blockchain or crypto that are in the original like cypherpunks, which I'll explain what that is in a second. They saw the digital realm as a means for freeing us mm -hmm. so that we could then evolve back to what we're supposed to be um, because of, and we can see that with the original or how we've been able to use the internet, even though the internet has been controlled and manipulated for so long, it still is a very um, rudimentary uh, beginning towards this, uh, I guess, this return to our psychic abilities to connect and to um, be a, a consciousness of one, right? And so we're, we're seeing that unfold right now over the last 30 years with you know the explosion of global consciousness there's a the internet has played a massive massive role in the quote-unquote great awakening of course yep. and any nobody yeah. can deny that yep. right um as somebody who grew up in the 90s um uh you know a 90s kid proud 90s kid <laughs> um i look back and it's a that was a double-edged sword of ignorance because yeah. I I remember the times, especially in the 80s as a young child, pre-internet, uh, how 
uh, in some ways how like isolated and lost we were as a society mm-hmm. because we relied upon more top-down uh, authority <clears throat> systems to give us our information, right? Like watch the news and then the, right. the, the, the mm-hmm. evening news to get your news download, which was produced and controlled by a corporation. Um, you would, uh, to even know, I, I look back in college, like to know where to go out that night. Uh, and this was kind of special. You, you couldn't just go on a social media platform and go yes. to your networks and immediately know what's going on or have your digital invites. You had to talk to people and you had a network and you had to find out <laughs> yeah. and you had to go look at flyers on a wall yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And you just had to take the gamble that that flyer is being uh, that party. You hopefully know somebody <laughs> that can vouch <laughs> yeah. for it, or you're totally. walking into a potential, really bad environment and you didn't know right and so there was a benefit to that because it was more mysterious and wild and wonderful and and Mm -hmm. in many ways glorious because of the mystery and and the adventure but also i know of many people who were hurt because they Mm -hmm. um didn't have the security of connection that we have now Mm. Um, right. So it's a dual edged sword. Of course, everything is in this realm of, of polarity yep. and duality. That being said though, uh, I think, I don't think anybody can argue against the fact that the internet has had massive, massive effects in towards of, of us growing up towards yeah. becoming a more evolved mm. consciousness, or yes. at least in the cycle of right now, I believe we are in mass, you know, we have these grand cycles of, of, evolution awakening and then the fall and then up again down and us as a planetary species or as a global consciousness that is just the natural wave and in the end but that's not the to say the individual is victim to that or is is forced to be on that wave the individual it has the ability to ascend out of that wave into the next wave into the next wave and go up and, and leave this realm and not be stuck on the hamster wheel of reincarnation. So <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that being yep. said, I personally <laughs> believe the internet is a massive um, uh, tool for us to move on to that next stage of global of consciousness. So all the internet is, and it, even though it was developed inside um uh some pretty interesting circles uh in the uh u.s military uh mm-hmm. with with darpa in the ARPANET, which was the original protocols yeah. and they actually were working yeah. in conjunction this is in the mid-60s with uh scholastics and academia mm-hmm. and universities uh and also with the rand corporation uh they were just developing open source protocols they were developing protocols that would allow for information to be sent uh, across time and space immediately to another person. Uh, And they wanted those protocols to be repeatable and used uh, throughout all the different agencies in the government and, um, and in, you know, private in the private as well. Uh, And and so that was a massive, massive uh, invention that was then um, sort of, manipulated and controlled for a long time just by private institutions. It was just used by large universities and, and um, corporations that worked with the government up until the, the late 80s when the World Wide Web was developed in CERN, at CERN by Sir Berners-Lee uh, and some other really uh, highly uh, occulted uh, 
individuals uh, in very interesting circles to um, essentially make sure that they're encapsulating the ability to um, use the internet by the public in a way that is controlled from the very outset. So the World Wide Web was from, from the very beginning, which is our, the World Wide Web is the, the protocols that are used to, uh, to use websites, right? To effectively have an interface with the internet. And the internet is just the packeting of information and sending it from one point to the other. The World Wide Web is the interface uh, that we know is like the domain name system, for instance, the DNS mm -hmm. system, which is like how you name your website, right? Yeah. Uh, and then the, the protocols to pack it to essentially like JavaScript and these different languages to allow us to take um, this information, put it on a, in a visual way so that we can then transfer uh, view it across the world on the internet. So that's the World Wide Web. That's what we use for essentially everything uh, mm -hmm. traditionally. Uh, that was what started with like AOL and CompuServe, and they had these internet service providers, right, that allowed us yeah. to get on the internet with our dial-up modems and all that. Well, before that, we didn't we didn't have the World Wide Web, and I was getting on the internet uh, traditionally uh, through. Um, uh, how it was originally created, which was just by uh, essentially um, creating a, having a, my own server and then um, uh, having a modem and being able to connect to others that had their own server and just using the traditional internet protocols to connect. Mm -hmm. And we weren't using uh, AOL or CompuServe or any of these other mm -hmm. third parties. We were just doing this uh, as it was originally designed. And then uh, even we fell prey to uh, the internet service providers over time because it was super convenient and they had all these wonderful services and, and really cool things. Uh, and they allowed for email to work really easily because email, once again, is just an open source protocol. It doesn't require a Google to use uh, email. We just use Google like G Suite or whatever it's called now um, because they have set up the infrastructure for us. So. We've lost the original intention of what the internet can be because they've uh, essentially corralled us into this sort of digital landscape that is really a, a digital gulag, if you yes. will. <laughs> so internet 1.0 was the AOLs, the you got mail, right? And like yeah. this kind of thing. And then like a lot of the um, uh, boards and stuff people would get on, like the forums and things yes. like that. And then you had web 2.0 which is more insidious because at least with web sure. 1.0, you still had a bit of the original wild uh, kind of um, frontier of what the internet <laughs> would still be. And sure. then with web 2.0, you had the crystallization of central of centralization through corporate yeah. takeover yeah. of the internet. And so that is the Facebooks, the Amazons, the Twitters, um, the Googles, yeah. the Go and yeah. the Googles. Google. And essentially what, what that was, was a, they've provided even more structured uh, interface uh, so that people have, you know, less, uh, have to do less work, right, to use the internet. They made it way more efficient and way more convenient for those who think they, they, like, they are getting what they want out of the internet, but they don't really know because this, these are just being offered to them as the only yeah. really... You know, I mean, yes, it was based around a marketplace. And so people could choose, of course, and there were traditional market. Um, there were some traditional free market aspects around it. But really, when you dig deep into it, you realize, no, uh, no. Facebook was developed 
by in by DARPA. It was not the the whole storyline of where Facebook comes from is is complete fabrication. It's right. a it's a narration yeah. that they give you. It's a story. Um, all yeah. of these mainstream systems from uh, Facebook to Google to essentially to Amazon, they all have roots deep into the occult, mm-hmm. and they all have roots into. Um, uh, you know, um, military, uh, industrial complex, yeah. basically it's yeah. means of waging war upon the population. Yeah. And so when we start to understand where web 2.0 is now, uh, we can really see the pitfalls of going down this path because of censorship, because of, uh, there's been some beautiful documentaries out uh, showing how, uh, these systems have been devised to, uh, take advantage of our own, um, biology and our mm-hmm. endocrine system to, uh, tap into our, you know, human need to be, uh, feel loved and uh, have attention. And, uh, and all that. And mm-hmm. so then we now have this toxic environment on social media that's created division and, uh, this polarity of like left first, right, you know, and that mm-hmm. feeds all into their beautiful, um, yeah. in their mind, their beautiful Hegelian, uh, dialect. Dialect. Yeah. right. So <laughs> portal, what the hell is portal? <laughs> so portal is a bunch of renegades like myself who, <laughs> who remember what the internet was supposed to be mm. remember mm. the the beauty and power of being able to connect with another living soul anywhere in the world instantly without anyone getting in the in between. Yeah. And so portal was developed to become the new internet to, to go back to what the internet was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And we are implementing certain technologies like blockchain and um, uh, newer stuff like social media and things like that in a way that is fully transparent, open source, and done in a way that uh, to serve the people that are using it. So t- blockchain is just another technology. It's an open source yeah. technology that can be used for great good or great evil. Yeah. And we are using it, hopefully, uh all works out well as I see it for great, great good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, what a blockchain is is just an open source, public, transparent, essentially collaborative server, if you will. It's just a ledger that allows you uh, for a community of people using it, uh, whether that be a global community like with Bitcoin or a smaller community, even a private community. You can have private blockchains. Uh, the transparency to see um, all the um, uh, input and the consensual agreement mm-hmm. to what that input is in a single place that everybody, ideally, if you do a blockchain correctly, is supporting and um, and being able to witness. Unlike a uh, traditional <clears throat> server, which is uh, typically behind a um, in uh, intellectual property firewall, where mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, that server is centrally controlled and, um, which it has value as well, but is centrally controlled and edible at any time by whoever's controlling it. So a blockchain, yeah. if it's done correctly, is not editable, editable or changeable right. mm. once the consensus agrees that that is the truth. And that is a massive, massive, important thing to understand. And you can see yeah. how that could be extremely valuable for something like money or something like voting. Um, and so we used Cordal has a blockchain backbone that, um, is used for its, um, community, uh, consensus on what, um, 
the entire network agrees is truth about the individuals involved with it and also the, the money that is generated through the network and the network itself. Now, mm -hmm. the data itself isn't stored on the blockchain, but the metadata is. Um, and it looks like just... Yeah, lost. <laughs> lost. That's all right. She'll be back. Something okay. happened to her. That's all right. We can... Um, so, yeah. So, it was... Uh, I'm glitching out for a second there. Sorry. Um, right. Yeah. So the it, it it's just been a wonderful ride because Cordal was developed with this original kind of cypherpunk mentality mm -hmm. that was the origination of of crypto, the internet from the '90s, yeah. which was just this idea that we can use these open source tools, we can use encryption and all this stuff to protect ourselves against centralized uh, predatory control. And um, bring power back to our ability to do commerce, to um, communicate peer to peer. That's a very important <laughs> idea, without having to rely upon a third party. And uh, it's really digital sovereignty. Mm. And um, yeah. so, Cordal was designed from the ground up with these principles in mind. And it is a, a really a beautiful system because we will be the first to admit it's not perfect. I uh, I don't know if there is any way to make a perfect system like this um it yeah. is malleable in the sense that the community has the ability to decide in the future of cordal and where cordal can go mm -hmm. it is unmalleable once that decision has been created uh and, and what i mean by that is um once there's consensus and there, uh, the community agrees that uh, they vote and they agree that um, there is a change to the code base, for example, that is set in stone on the blockchain and the whole community knows moving forward, this is where what our current agreement is. Down mm -hmm. the line, if we find that that needs to be changed, then we come back, find quorum, and then make the next change. But the beauty of blockchain, once again, is you can't have somebody go in and manipulate and control right. and pull shifty stuff because it's all transparent. Yep. Everybody can see it and everybody knows if somebody is acting um, fraudulently or yeah. is acting in, in out of coherence or incongruous to natural law, mm. uh, which is, you know, respecting uh, your, your brothers and sisters and, and nature and, and working in harmony and truth. Mm. And really, it, if the blockchain is developed correctly, it's just a um, universal truth machine. <laughs> and, um, that can swing both ways. Yes. Accountability, responsibility. Yes. I love that. A truth machine in the time where truth seems to be so malleable, right? <laughs> exactly. So where um, where Mike is Cordal now, like in terms of like the functionality of it, and and yeah, the, so yeah. that was kind of the base base layer of the philosophy and and kind of where it came out of, and giving yeah. a little input on where we are with the internet now. In terms of Cordal, so Cordal started being developed um, back in around 2014. Uh, wow. There's a gentleman, Jason Crow, uh, who's one of the, the founders who was at Music and Sky uh, uh, last year on the stage with me, Liz. I don't know if you saw that talk, but Jason's, Jason's a badass, and he's just this IT uh, technology guy that, uh, since he was a teenager, was working on um, networks and systems like that. And... Um, and basically got into crypto because he saw the beauty and power of, of the mm -hmm. original Bitcoin white paper and what that uh, intentionality uh, 
potentially could do for the world. So uh, he's then by 2014, we, he was already seeing the corporatization and the manipulation and yeah. essentially the downfall of crypto because it had already gone back to the legacy systems of, of manipulation, control, greed, um, yeah. you know, hijacking uh, by those with power, etc. And so Cordell, he was like, I'm going to make a system that gives all of this back to the people and the original mm -hmm. intention of what the cypherpunks on the 90s were trying to do. And so it has its own original code base that was developed from the ground up starting around then. And it uh, has uh, basically been developed by, uh, by volunteers by yeah. developers in the yeah. uh, the open source market that just were drawn to the um, philosophy and the intention behind the project. Uh, there was no corporation ever created. There's no board of, you know, people over, yeah. you know, looking it over and stuff. So uh, it was in the underground for many years being developed, uh, literally through just sweat and blood and tears. <laughs> and then in two two years ago, it finally was ready to launch. Um, so, uh, by that time I'd already met Jason and worked on some other projects with him and, uh, was fully in, into Cordal and helping on the back end, developing, uh, different, um, my, my superpowers in this space is really into, in consensus and the philosophy and the understanding of like the root structuring of why we need this technology. So I'm kind mm -hmm. of the philosopher of Cordal <laughs> and, um, and so I got involved in 2018 and uh so about two years before we launched uh and uh had the pleasure of working with the devs and and everybody in the, the final development of uh launching the project and so we launched uh in 2020 and uh with phase one which was just to develop the network so what cordal is once again is if we're reinventing the internet what all the internet is is a um is a network it's just a network of servers connected over a a line uh, that is processed is sending data and packets and then yeah. Yeah, so they it's compressing information in a packet sending it across a line you know typically that would be a phone line what, what it usually what it originally was and then of course they developed ethernet right and they developed yeah. um you know uh they started using the cable infrastructure uh that we had uh through television you know and then of course the telecom uh system that we had through like DS dsl and all this so all you're doing is sending packets of information from one server to another and so understanding that um in order to recreate new internet, we need people uh, to basically uh, be a node for this new network. So we needed to find a way to incentivize people to essentially become, to, to go through the work to host their own node. And all a node is, is just um, in a network is just somebody who's hosting uh, the packets of information that can be sent to another node. Mm -hmm. it's just uh, think of it as a, as a sort of web. Uh, literally, that's why they call it the World Wide Web, right? <laughs> web of no, it's, it's literally what we are here as human species. Right. We're all on a web of consciousness, yeah. right? And we're all yeah. here in an individual all node, connected. holding mm -hmm. your own consciousness. Well, this is just being replicated in a in a digital yeah. ecosystem. And so, how do we how do we um, incentivize folks to go through the the process of doing that and then how do we make it as easy as possible and as energy efficient as possible mm -hmm. 
because those who understand um, Bitcoin and, and how it works, it uses a protocol called proof of work, which is a brilliant, brilliant protocol that, that actually solved the double spend problem of digital currency, which just means when you're dealing with something digital, which is just zeros in one code, and you're trying to um, send something that's supposed to have a definitive value in the real world, how do you stop somebody from just copying and pasting that digital money? And okay. so if I send if I send Tara my digital dollar, how does Liz know that, that that digital dollar is attached to the real world and not just being replicated in and duplicated and duplicated? How does it even have value then, right? Yeah. Well, by using a blockchain and once again that immutable truth machine, we can set that value in, in understanding that that specific dollar is locked into time. And that time knows that that has just been spent because I just sent that to you and it can't now go because at 9.53 a.m. my time, I just sent that to Tara and we just put it on a global ledger that everybody witnessed and knows in time, locked in time now that that was sent to you, that that can now not be sent to Liz because it's already, Tara now has it. It's now in the on the ledger that Tara owns it, right? Yeah. And so, in order for that sort of brilliant system to work, we need uh, we need computers. We need uh, people that want to be a node to validate that and to do the work to make yeah. sure that that um, consensus is being done. Mm-hmm. And so, proof of work is just computers competing against each other to, to as an incentive. So they're doing that to do the work for to um, to maintain the ledger. But the incentive is by racing against the clock to get this done by doing computational work, the, one, the winner gets a Bitcoin, gets um, currency, gets, the, uh, yeah. gets a payment, right? And that payment, of course, is inherent to the ecosystem. So that is the, the money that's, that they are creating the value. It's like a, it's a weird <laughs> loop of like, we're creating this money and we're yeah. getting rewarded that money for creating it. So yeah. it's creating this new value system. And it was really mm. ingenious and amazing. However, it takes a lot of energy to do. Mm. So that is a problem. Um, my, wolf dog, my wolf dog out here <laughs> is howling. Oh, so. is he? Oh. Here? It's he howling. Um, no, uh, but she, I, you can see just... You can see him. Ooh. Okay. Um, so, so anyways, um, I might have to let her in in just a second. Um, yeah, no worries. Yeah. Uh, but... Yeah, the so brilliant, brilliant model, and I'm a big fan of Bitcoin for that the original Bitcoin, not what it is now, for that mm-hmm. for that brilliant innovation, and it really has a place in in the world. Um, however, that being said, with Cordal, we saw a lot of problems with that. One, it um, the energy waste. Two, it is set up for centralization because it's a race of computation power. So those that have more money and the ability to create more and more computing power uh, because the software developers in Bitcoin changed the original intention of the Satoshi Nakamoto paper and they went and messed it all up and they made it so um, only certain mining systems can work and that what that created was a race from bigger and bigger and bigger mining systems which Mm -hmm. created these mining um, uh, huge mining warehouses in China and such with people with more money could have more power over the network and so we wanted to take it back to the people and create a new system purely based on time, not based on computational power and based on collaboration, not based on competition, based on abundance, not based yeah. on scarcity 
And so essentially going back to, um, and this is kind of where I play in as the philosopher and really trying to guide the network and guide the intentionality of Cordal is based on natural law and based on how nature inherently works. Uh, mm -hmm. Cooperation, collaboration, uh, gifting, uh, having trust and faith in each other, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and understanding that if we develop this network that is based on, on the true intentionality of the creator and not based on fear and based on uh, scarcity, which is what traditional markets are based on and traditional supposedly yeah. money values based on, we can create a whole new beautiful world mm -hmm. that is way more holistic and way more uh, in tune with, um, you know, uh, a raising of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so that is Cordal in a nutshell is that it was developed. <laughs> it was developed to the incentivization was the idea is that we're all just going to share in the pot. So instead yeah. of the winner winning the, the, the little prize of, you know, on the Bitcoin network, Bitcoin yeah. is that by you running a node, Instead of spending all this time and energy and having to have a crazy computer, you can just run a node over time. And then over time, as you prove yourself, you let you go through levels mm -hmm. just in life. And like how mm -hmm. I was in the beginning, how I was saying how I was uh, lost and how I unfolded into awakening in Cordal, you start kind of lost because you're like, how do I do this? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I got to figure this out, get this running. And then over time, as you <laughs> as you put the work in towards joining the community um, getting into the Cordal ecosystem and spending the time to just have mm -hmm. that node running, then um, you increase in your levels and then you increase in your shared reward amongst everybody in your level across the world. And so mm -hmm. every minute, no matter what level you are, once you're sponsored in the system, you are earning Cordal. You're, in, you're mm -hmm. earning court. And then, so that was the mm -hmm. launch, was that. All right, that beautiful system which was creating the network. Now we have more full nodes running than Bitcoin. We have more, wow. yeah. So, amazing. uh, Ooh. pretty amazing. I think Bitcoin mm. has something like six. Uh, we're, we're over, I think we're at like 7,000 full nodes, 8,000 full nodes running. And they say Bitcoin has like 10,000 full nodes running, but those aren't, those nodes aren't attached to individuals. That's like, a lot of that is like one entity running a thousand nodes, uh -huh. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And that's actually scary that the size of Bitcoin and how big it is that it has that few of full nodes running. That is frightening, actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that was the first phase of Cordal. Then the second phase was launching um, the, the Cordal um, uh, uh, trade portal, which is just the ability for people to come in with another cryptocurrency and we support only cryptocurrencies that are fair so ones that weren't pre-mined or weren't manipulated that were launched uh from the beginning as a mine uh, the ability for anybody to mine and get in so those barely exist to be honest so mm. but we try to support the ones that are the most fair so believe it or not a a joke coin like doge coin yeah. um is actually more fair than ethereum it actually is wow. more uh, conducent to the original cypherpunks than Ethereum. So we support uh, Litecoin, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, um, some other smaller uh, coins like Ravencoin, uh, Digibyte, soon Pirate Chain, is, which is a privacy coin. Mm -hmm. And what we did, we were the first to do it, is um, we actually have a true decentralized portal, trade portal, where somebody can come in with Litecoin and they cross-chain directly with somebody on Cordal 
uh, and to transfer court to, for Litecoin. And so it's not going through an intermediary of any sort um, right. into a holding account or anything. It's literally, I have this much corridor, or I have this much court, I have this much Litecoin. This is how much value I see of court. I want to give you this much Litecoin for this much court. So they go into a smart contract and then it exchanges literally directly across the cross chains into their account. So wow. that was the second phase. That was our trade portal, which was important for ability for to, to initiate commerce, for people to come in with fiat dollars, for instance, into the mm. portal ecosystem so that they could buy something like Litecoin, come in and then get court. Uh, as an investment opportunity or as an ability to take part in the network. And now the third phase, which is launched into initial beta, was the actual portal data network, which is the new internet. So now that we have the incentivization for people to run their node and create help create this new internet, and now that we have the ability for people to bring the the actual currency in, the 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 energetic flow in, right? The current. Now we have the third and final phase, which is starting, which is the actual data that people will be transferring and using. And that's that's right now just websites. Anybody can host a website for free on Cordal. And it's wow. um, amazing because it's fully decentralized. It's redundant. So anybody in the network that chooses to follow your website is now supporting and hosting your website on their end. So they are downloading the whole website and now it's they're seeding it essentially, just like a um like if you've ever used a BitTorrent, right? For downloading music or a movie, they are now seeding your website and it just got stronger. So the the, the once your website is being supported, it's like it's just um uh, a factor of uh, how many people find value of your website and by each person following it, it just grows and grows and grows across the ecosystem and gets stronger and stronger and more redundant and faster and faster and faster. Um, and that's free. It's free mm -hmm. to do that. That's the other thing about corals we're trying to have is feeless as possible. Mm -hmm. So you don't, so imagine that you, an ecosystem that is fair, decentralized, open source, transparent, and doesn't cost anything to take part of. Um, in terms of at least for some basic functionality, like hosting a website where most people have to pay, you know, for a basic shared hosting platform, which is not secure, which, um, you know, has all sorts of security issues. Uh, you're still paying 10, 15, 20 bucks a month, yeah. you know, to GoDaddy oh, yeah. or whatever yeah. to mm -hmm. have your website up and running. Yep. So, yeah, so that's exciting. We've launched the third phase, uh, and that um, is just in pure beta right now. And then that will evolve into Q apps, which will then uh, allow for like uh, a decentralized YouTube, a decentralized Zoom, a decent uh, decentralized e-commerce, which is going to be mm. massive. Um, and wow. that is all inside Cordal. Okay, so yeah. that is not playing in the World Wide Web, like quote unquote yeah. Web three Web yeah. 3.0 is just once again the next hijacking. Hijack. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it's not actually conducent to the original cypherpunk um, vision mm -hmm. of, of the P2P direct interaction and sovereign space of what we can do through encryption and through blockchain and these networks. It's actually playing directly in with Silicon Valley and the corporate sphere and the big business and centralized banks and government and all that. So we got to be very careful with how we navigate this technology moving forward. Mm -hmm. All this, we actually were looking when we, cause we just um, launched our website and we had a talk and we were trying to understand how to do it. 
And I was talking, you may know a couple of my friends, Isaac and Dustin. Isaac has been up there and um I love Isaac. Yeah, Isaac's my like my two go like well, how do I do it? And he's like, I'm gonna try to break it down for you. Like I'm trying to understand. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Isaac uh is awesome. We're um working with Isaac with Music and Sky too. He's helping us yeah. on some stuff. Um, yeah, and so we Tara and I were having the conversation of like how do we do this in that world? And it was too foreign to us to understand mm-hmm. the mechanics of it and how to implement that. But that's our vision. It's actually like, yeah. it's like, okay, this is eventually what we are doing. Yeah. Well, we did try, we, I did actually get a domain on, we did get an unstoppable yeah. domain. And then I, I, whew, man, this was a whole several hour thing that I went through with the, with this guy and unstoppable domains to get our website on. And so he explained to me, yeah, you're going to have to download it from here to get it because we had already done it on a different service, our website. And the crux was why we didn't use it yet is because one, uh, anybody to, who went to our website would have to have an extension, an unstoppable domains extension on their browser to even navigate to our site. So it's definitely like, you know, That's that right. was. It, it, there's so many problems with yeah. all of this. It's, it's trying to put a square peg yeah. in a round hole. Yeah. It's trying to pretend that we can stay in this corrupt ecosystem and somehow right. fix it and make it right. yeah. so it's quote unquote decentralized. If people throw this term decentralized around like a lot, you yeah. know, it's like the newest hot buzzword. Um, I'm sorry, guys, but the DNS system, no matter what, um, right. is owned by uh, a centralized corporation. Um, um, it's not a open source, you know, um, even, even a consortium even of, of open source, um, or, you know, or government agencies. It's literally a private company that owns, that controls the domain name system of all websites in the world wide web. It's mind bogglingly, mind bogglingly crazy that we've allowed this to happen. Yeah. So the, the world wide web is ruined it's it's yeah it, i don't see how we can get around those problems so people trying to use um the World Wide web to do decentralized stuff in the end you're going to run into all the same problems so yeah it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around Cordal because it is a parallel system it is not yeah. in the in the World Wide web which is how everybody accesses the internet so people are like well how the hell can i how can I even use Cordal if I yeah. can't send my grandma to it? Well, um, <laughs> so, you know, and so we get that. And, and so there are ways to actually have your Cordal website, which would, is in the Cordal network. So if right now for someone to go in and see your Cordal website, um, they would have to be running a Cordal node on their computer. And that can run on any computer. It can run on a Mac, PC, Linux, machine, whatever. Um, and then they can go in and uh, pull up your site and look at all your information and your content. Well, people are challenged by that because it's like, well, what? how am I supposed to get to the public? How am I supposed to get to people who don't know about Cordal? Well, there is a way. It's You are giving up a lot of the power of Cordal, but you can set up a proxy and mm-hmm. go through a yeah. traditional domain and have yeah. that routed to essentially through an API into um, uh, it, it's still being hosted on Cordal, but it'll be visually displayed on yeah. a proxy domain. So you can do that. However, we are developing what we're calling light nodes, which will mm-hmm. allow for people to um, run Cordal on even a phone 
um, without having to have it completely synced and have all the hard, hard, hard um, download and everything that is restrictive to grandma. Even though my dad, who's in his 70s, is in Cordal and, and on, <laughs> on QChat and loving it. Oh, so, that's awesome. QChat is our decentralized kind of telegram type service on there that allows for complete mm. and total decentralized um, communication and group creation and all that. It's encrypted and really powerful tool for doing unstop truly unstoppable communication. Yeah. Um, but that being said, um, we are developing means to allow for easier access to Cordal. But Cordal is yeah. a parallel system. It is not yeah. does not work with World Wide Web. And I think that's what is hard for people to wrap their head around. And so, and then people start to, you know, we get this a lot, this um, and criticism and I, and I get it. It's like, well, you guys, uh, how do we know you're not creating the next internet, right? How do we know, or, or excuse me, the next World Wide web? How do we know you're not creating the next corrupt space that, because you guys think you're so awesome that you're, <laughs> you know, we have to go mm -hmm. over to you. Well, the difference here is that it's completely open source. It's completely transparent. It's community-based, um, mm -hmm. unlike the World Wide Web, which is corporate-owned. Um, anybody can go in, look at the code base, um, can join the community, can start taking part in Cordal's unfolding. And it's all with the leveling system, which is being developed more and more. Um, you'll basically, by joining the network and supporting the network, you're creating your own value, your own authority, so that you can have weight in voting on the future of Cordal. So um, it's totally different than the original implementation of yeah. World Wide Web, which was companies like CompuServe AOL um, deciding how the internet is supposed to be accessed. So, um, but it is kind of taking that Apple model that, you know, when I say Apple, like Macintosh Apple model of having a closed ecosystem so that um, we can have an experience still that um, is a little bit more curated and controlled, even though it's open source mm -hmm. and anybody can come in that's a quality developer and get vetted and come in and help out and creating that ecosystem. It's, um, it's more like Apple in the sense that it's a closed system in that way. So, and that's why I like Apple. I've been actually using Apple products <laughs> for way too long because it, le it all works really well. Right. Yeah. Like, like Microsoft or like the PCs yeah. where it's all, all these different companies trying to fit and work together and everything's always breaking yeah. and you have viruses and all this stuff. Which are the only real viruses, by the way. Right. Um, <laughs> so plug that in there real quick. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so Mike, yeah, I love well, and that's why the like your piece and, and the philosophy is so important here because because it's not convenient yet, right? Like Cordal and like that's how we know you're not creating the new, the next like easy worldwide web because it's actually not very easy <laughs> to get into yet at this time, right? But if, if we have the foundation and the philosophy and know the intention and why are we doing this, right. even though it may not, even though it may take us a little longer, we may have to go a few more steps, right? Like when we we're, I was mm -hmm. trying to get this unstoppable domain and that's the same with crypto, even though, but I know that's a whole other conversation, but it's important that, that people can connect with the reason why yeah. this has been created, even though it's, you know, it's not as convenient and as easy as the as web too because it we're you know and there's well a we've been <laughs> we've been literally enslaved by convenience yes and they know exactly. this so yeah. they and this is beautiful about uh, this and this is actually something I really appreciate because I uh, about design I, I actually I 
have a web development company. We design websites. I understand um, the usability factor and um, being able to onboard people into a system and as easy as possible. We obviously want to make the user experience as best as possible. Of course, nobody wants yeah. to get frustrated with trying to to access uh, communications and commerce and all that. Um, so, um, but the kind of the tragedy of the commons, if you will, of working in open source is that you don't have that centralized uh, sort of um, a top-down system that you would have in a traditional uh, design firm of a corporation like Apple, right? So it's kind of like you, you, you gotta, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate in that way that you, you kind of miss that. But in the end, if we do our job correctly, um, we will get there because we have, yeah. we're attracting enough amazing, powerful people that are really good at what they do, that they will bring in their skill sets and we will just continually tweak and make it easier and easier and easier to yeah. use. And it will get there. It will, it won't yeah. be as fast, but it will get to the point where the usability and the user interface and everything will be beautiful and it will be um, awesome. And also the more people that come in, the power of open source is the more people that come in the more, and since there's no, there's no intellectual ownership, we mm -hmm. don't care. Like even the logo, like if you feel like you have a cooler Cordal logo, you can put up your own Cordal logo on your own systems and <laughs> in, in your thing. We don't care. In yeah. the end, yes, we do need brand recognition right now, but in the end, we don't even care about our damn logo. It's beyond <laughs> yeah. logo, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. literally the network is all that matters. So People can come in and, and skin their systems however they want. And if they find that they have a more beautiful user interface, then they can take that out to the market and offer it for people to, to interact with the Cordal code base and have a way better user interface. Awesome. Do it. Go for right. it. Um, and so um, that is the power of open source. And so right now, people, we are supporting... Uh, the user interface that we have developed. But if someone comes around and makes a more beautiful user interface, it's like the beautiful example of this is Linux. Linux mm. is a, is the success, success story of open source technology. It is just an open source code base for an operating system, just like uh, it's an alternative to, you know, the OS or mm -hmm. Microsoft, uh, right? And and now, and it uses just the Linux code base. It's just a code base. And now there's all sorts of beautiful user interfaces, Mint mm. and Ubuntu and all these ones that allow you to use it. And those are just free for anybody to go access. And they mm. compete against each other, but they also collaborate and cooperate as well. And it's just a gorgeous ecosystem. And Linux <laughs> is very successful. Like a lot of people in yeah. that do de hardcore development in software and stuff use Linux because it's dependable, it's open source, it's transparent. Um, and so we're just embracing that, that, um, overall aesthetic and philosophy in Cordal is most in as much as we can. So, yeah. um, if you're listening to this or watching this and our developer or have any sort of superpower that, um, that we would love to have, like come over, come over, whether it's marketing or doing videos or writing copy or whatever, it's just all about coming into the community and helping out in any way you can running a node, uh, I'll sponsor you. All the sponsorship thing mm -hmm. is it's we've tied, um, we've, in order to combat fraud and combat bots and combat um, a lot of the grift and stuff that we see in the, um, in the traditional, uh, not only traditional digital uh, landscape, but also in crypto, because most of the crypto is grift and fraud and scams. Um, 
we've tied it to real humans by having a sponsorship program, which just means, and this isn't a pyramid scheme. This isn't like multi-level or anything like that. All it is, is just anybody who's level five or above or a founder, somebody who's put this sweat, blood and tears over years and years to create this. Um, if you want to get in and be able to mint, so be able to, to get in and run a node and earn the coin uh, with everybody, you just have to be sponsored by somebody who is either level five, which means they've been minting now for over two years. So they've proven themselves over time to be dedicated to the network or a founder and will sponsor you, hmm. which means if the people doing the sponsorship correctly or doing it correctly, means we've out, we've, you know, in some way vetted you. Yeah. Uh, and, which means I know you're a real person with some intentionality. You you want to come on board and help Cordal, so then I'll sponsor you. You have to prove yourself for 7,200 blocks or about a week of running a, a node. And once you've done that, um, which means you've put forth effort to sp- put your node up and, and have it connect to the internet and running it for 7,200 blocks, you are now self-sponsored. You can now then... Um, the sponsorship goes away and now you can start minting and then you can start going up levels too. When you hit level five in a few years, then you can start sponsoring your mm-hmm. brothers and sisters and friends and family. Yeah. So um, it's a really interesting model because it ties humans and it ties connectivity in the real world to the network. So, mm-hmm. um, but I can sponsor you um, just tell, you know, come find me on telegram or discord or email me, Mike at alphabetic.com. If, if you're attracted to this and I'll sponsor you, nice. just tell me how you f- know me uh, and um, or how you heard about this. And then um, you can start taking part in Cordal. Mm, beautiful. Exciting conversation because it's the unfolding of the, you know, the realm of awareness into this physical and then bringing it again to this online thing that we can't necessarily see and touch, but we are creating together. And it's, Oh, it's, it's very exciting. Well, <laughs> the beautiful thing about this technology is that it's a rudimentary way for us to defy space, right? So mm. we are all in different parts of the country right now, but we're all together in this digital space. There's value mm. to that. Like that oh. is pretty badass. Like whether I know a lot of people in our space have the fears of the metaverse and digital, the digital simulacra of this, but there's also a ton of value to this and we cannot deny that. So let's, let's, let's take this value and apply it in a way that's holistically inclined to allow us to connect through an honest, transparent system that is in and of itself serving us. We're not serving it. Right. And that's right. And then develop community around it and then see where we can take it from here. Like in QChat, it's amazing. We have all these awesome, badass sovereign souls in there because mm. most people have found out about Cordal through, through myself or people championing us like Sayer G from green med info. Yeah. Um, even Charles Eisenstein, if you know who he is, he's, yep. he's on Cordal. Um, I don't know how active he is, but we got him set up running a node. Um, nice. uh, uh, the Law for Mankind guys are very aware of it. Um, who else recently? Um, oh, uh, Ernie Hancock, who's like a legend in the sovereignty space. We call him the Obi-Wan Kenobi of the freedom <laughs> movement. Um, he's been recently interviewing us and is now full on Cordal and promoting it. And wow. so these kind of people are in QChat, which is our decentralized chat system on Cordal, and are just hanging out there now all day. And no, not all. You know, they check in. And they, <laughs> just that's all they do now. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But you can create groups in there. And so um, people have created like sovereignty groups and like, uh, you know, all sorts of different natural law. Bee I'm in like a beekeeping group. I'm in, oh, of course, wow. I've started a conspiracy and woo-woo group in there. Um, there's a music sharing group. That's one of the most popular that people share uh, their favorite music. And, and it's just a new community, an online community. And it just feels good because you know, everybody that's in there has sees the vision are doing the work to run the node and be taking part in the network consensus yeah. and are all taking a little piece. They're all pitching in a little bit to make yeah. sure this is this, this, the community is actually up and running correctly. So yeah. you feel good when you're in there doing mm -hmm. it. It's really cool. Yeah. And as you were saying, when you're talking about the why, the why is the feel, right? And as you know your why and why you're doing that, there is that desire to just contribute. And I think also it moves from, oh, this is what's being done. Like the we have the World Wide Web and all of that. But now it's like, what it is that we want to do? Like yeah. you, you take that power in being the creator in our, in your own story, and then you create that instead of just being That's thrown true. around over the yes. Back of the yes. Kind of Liz, like you nailed it. Sovereignty. You are the sh you are driving your own ship on Cordal. Yes, and so it will require your effort mm -hmm. and your yeah. awareness and your work and your disposition. And what else do you want? And I feel like that's also the next level for a lot of people is to to be like, okay, it's gonna, it's not gonna be as convenient. But what is the trade off? Right? Yeah. What are you really getting from all of these conveniences? I mean, if we look around and we see people's state of health, mental, physical, emotional, and I mean, what is it that you're gaining from all of this convenience? So we live in a debt-based, we live in, a, well, not all of us, but we, we're all forced into this quagmire of a debt-based public system, right? So everything has been developed around debt, debt of the spirit, debt yeah. of our time, debt, of course, of the way money works. And so the, the Silicon Valley technocrat system is still doing that. So everything, while it seems like it's convenient, is actually just indebting us more and more to the system, our, our security, our time, our who we are, um, uh, you know, in terms of our privacy, right? Um, we are increasing that debt to every time that we think we can just go on and download this really convenient app um, that's going to give us uh, more convenience. Well, well, you know, not all, there's a lot of great apps out there, but a lot of the mainstream big time apps mm -hmm. are spying on you. They are mm -hmm. harnessing your loosh. And for many ways, yeah. even if, even if it is just for the marketplace to, to sell stuff to you, a lot of it is much more nefarious, but it's indebting yeah. you to the system more and more. So we need to get out of that debt. And in order to do that, it's like going, you know, for instance, here's a great analogy. It's like you can live in a city and you can work for a Fortune 500 company and you can um, be making, a, you know, it's harder and harder to do that these days. But the, the American dream of the millennials, right, is you get this kick-ass job out of college and you're getting, uh, you know, a, a six-figure income and you get to travel, you know, on your vacation time and you got this sweet apartment with your Netflix and your large screen television and go down to Whole Foods and get delicious you know, organic food and all that. Well, we know that's all a, a, a mirage, right? You're now, instead, actually, what you're doing is you're indebting your health to all the toxic toxicity of that environment. 
you're indebting um, the planet to the toxicity of the food that's being is centralized, controlled by Amazon now at Whole Foods and all that. Mm-hmm. You're indebting your your yeah, your bank yeah. account because you're quite likely not saving. You're qu- and that money with inflationary rate now is is required to be spent because if you hold it in your pocket even for a day, it's lost so much value. Um, and so actually, that whole mirage is just your in, your servitude towards debt. And so to get out of that, we're going to have to do a little work. So I'm a big yeah. fan of like, uh, well, we talked about Tom Burnett, but like Owen Benjamin, he can be a bit a bit out there, right? And he can cause a lot of people to get triggered. I know um, he, is, he is a comedian, so that's, that's what he does. But one thing he's shown is the elbow grease it takes to get out of that system and go like start a farm. Mm-hmm. And, and start putting the work in, which is not easy to start raising your own food growing your own food, um, building your own community, um, and taking the risk that's inherent to that. But he's getting out of that debt. Same here. Like that's why I moved my family up here. We are getting out of that, all that different forms of debt. So in Cordell, that's the idea is getting away from the debt of the, the digital ecosystem and having the power. It's going to take some work, but then being, having the power to create abundance, create that prosperity uh, according to your desires and not um, the convenience and the debt that um, the system is offering you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A super simple way to, to say that too, is there's, it's like a dead space versus a life space, right? <laughs> like, which do you choose, right? We're creating mm-hmm. life. Like that's why portal, the feeling of being there is so great because people are there to create what supports aliveness. And that's mm-hmm. what we are, you know? And when we, when we give in to that convenience, yeah, it's just if you really tune into that energy and feel into it, it's not an it's not alive. It's not. nothing alive about it. Yeah, it's it's the um, the infinite yeah it's the infinite death cycle of scrolling through TikTok. <laughs> oh God! Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean I- it is frightening how um, how quickly people are falling down this path towards this sort of digital enslavement um, because that's, that's their goal in the end. People ask me, you know, where do you see this sort of great reset going? You know, I I see this, there's, there is a polarization going on right now and no one can deny it. There's this sort of direction towards the, 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 the the great reset, which is, you know, the technocratic centralization and all that crystallization towards more and more uh, of the same. And then you've got, this great awakening of these people breaking out of that system. It's happening. People are waking up to this and going, I don't want that for my life. I don't want that for my kids. What can I do to, to uh, separate and, and develop a more, you know, um, natural, loving, holistic, alive uh, uh, yeah. ecosystem for my life experiences. And um, you're seeing that uh, rapid development of these two divergent paths and those who choose to stay in the legacy mainstream sort of, you know, digital system there of debt are just going to start, are going to be suffering more and yeah. more and more. Yeah. And there's going to be more pain and it's just going to come to a threshold of how much pain. It's like the same thing of people who don't understand their body and right and, and take allopathic medicine approach towards pain or symptoms instead of uh, going to the underlying cause of the symptom. And so in the end, they either have a uh, health crisis that forces them to wake up or they literally die. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's what yeah. we are going through as a global consciousness right now. Yes. 
I agree. I have a, a story of hope. This past weekend was my birthday and we were sitting, um, my friend was at a resort and we all went to visit and there was a young guy who came in with two other young kids and they sat down and he had a book. And so, you know, he said something, we started, we all started to talk and he, we said, wow, you have a book. What are you reading? And he said, oh, it's a story about this girl who falls in love with this organism, kind of like AI. Mm-hmm. And um, they don't live on Earth anymore because Earth has been taken over. So it's, you know, very uninhabitable at that point. But they're trying to save that space that she and her family and friends still um, live, which is another planet or whatever. And um, And we said, what do you think about that? And he said... Um, well, I'll tell you what just happened to me. And that may tell you what I think about the book. So he seemed like he couldn't be older than 20 years old. He said, I just got rid of all my social media because I noticed that what I was doing was watching everybody else do what I wanted to do. I wasn't doing any of what I wanted to do. I became depressed. I became sad. I was angry. I was scrolling for hours on TikTok at a time. And I woke up one day and I said, this is not how I want to live. So I enrolled myself into recreational therapy. And I said, what is that? And he said, I'm helping people reconnect with nature, people who are struggling with mental, you know, things or whatever you want to call that, um, having a hard time. And he said, this is the only way forward. And we were so excited to see such a young man. And he said, I even have Kindle. I have, um, book the book app on my phone but i like going to the library and getting the paper book something about turning the page and we were like i think (laughs) that's awesome it's like uh uh the youth hopefully are going to turn into spiritual hipsters so (laughs) you know it's like there's something about hipsters that i was a little bit of a hipster but like this like romance about going back and listening to vinyl and reading books and yeah. you know wearing uh reused recycled clothing and all that there's some beauty there's a lot of beauty to that yeah you know? um yes. and um i think uh, that's fantastic story mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot we can learn from what that for sure we're remembering you know yeah. and as you said some yeah. of us for whatever reason and I think that the people who decide to kind of go on that path and you know continue to bury themselves into that I have a lot of reverence for those souls because at some level they are helping other souls to awaken, right? To what's really going on. They're really showcasing the possibilities of that. And we are what we're seeing, the death and destruction and the disconnect of all that just helps us um, know our why a little deeper. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, Mike, we're going to ask our uh, question we, we like to ask at the end here, which is... Um, what have you learned about yourself in your own exploration for truth? Well, I've learned that that's a great question. Um, I've learned that for me personally, it never, the learning never ends and that uh, I've learned modesty. I've learned Mm -hmm. to, um, listen and listen more and listen more and really be as welcoming and modest to any other perspective 
and be patient with it and not be so triggered by it because um traditionally i think i i come from a virgo and very fiery personality <laughs> and a lot of times the first to jump the gun in terms of like oh you're wrong or uh you're not awake enough or whatnot and i've i think mm -hmm. i'm learning more and more right now that to have compassion and patience and to listen more because mm -hmm. there are lessons we can learn from every single person every single living man and woman on this planet whether whatever their perspective is even yeah. if it's freaking joe biden so yeah. Um, you <laughs> know, he might not even be a living man. So that's right. I was going to say, <laughs> Stepford, Stepford Biden, I call him. Uh, yeah. Stepford Biden is not a good example. But, but that being said, as long as they're not like an NPC, um, yeah, but, yeah, 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 right, right. But totally. yeah, learning to really have learned that about myself, which is to slow down, to let go, mm. to listen. And to really have compassion for what I'm listening to right now. If that's, if that's triggering something in me, then why? Why is that triggering that? Mm. And, you know, so that's been a massive sort of growth that I've recently just been going through since I did the event, um, mm. which was an online um, yeah. uh, symposium thing I did with some beautiful, powerful creators mm. that have helped me really grow up in new ways that I never thought was possible. Mm -hmm. And so life is beautiful because it is always like every turn in this hero's journey, there's a new, amazing, mind-blowing awakening that happens. <laughs> yeah. And so enjoy the process, enjoy the journey and do it in a way that is open and, and, mm -hmm. and as compassionate and um, uh, respectful as you mm -hmm. can to everyone around you. Mm -hmm. even if you don't agree with them yeah 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 and one so, more question that's coming up for me sorry no. was <laughs> last i know it's always our last question but something else is coming that's quick it's quick uh, mike it's just what does your source connection feel like for you mm. whatever however you define that to your spirit yeah uh, my source connection is definitely Oh man, that's a great question. Um, it feels like love. It just feels mm -hmm. like my source connection feels easy and, and it's just infinite yes. love. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Thank you for answering that. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you for being here. I think maybe yes. now we have two. We have two final questions for you because we've had explored that, what that source connection feel like. Yeah, yeah this show and i'm glad you brought it up and yeah thank you mike thanks mike we appreciate you so much yeah thank you for having me on and i hope to see you guys at the next music in sky